Uh, Open your Bibles now to the book of, not Hebrews, the book of Matthew chapter 11. We are in this series called Follow Me. It's a a long one. Uh, uh, Faith said to her friend uh, uh, Emily that she thought that the two of them would graduate college before I was finished (laughs) with, and maybe grad school. Uh, (laughs) I'm sorry, Faith. I just love the Bible. Um, uh, (laughs) The book of Matthew, we've learned some things about this book by going through it together slowly. Uh, we, we, We went into it knowing that Uh, The book of Matthew uh, calls the reader to be a disciple of Jesus. We went into it knowing that the text has been used for millennia as a discipleship manual. So not only does it call us to follow Jesus, it explains to the reader what that means and what it looks like and what we should, not only what the Lord expects, not only what the Lord expects from us, but you know what we should expect as being a follower of Jesus, what we should expect that to look like. But especially over the last few weeks at our dining room table behind the wood that looks like that but different, uh, I was overwhelmed with the fact that Matthew seems to have, not seems to, but that's the, that's the, uh, the objective paper writing voice, uh, seems to have, it appears that. Uh, Matthew has this other agenda along with this, but part of his agenda in revealing Christ is Matthew emphasizes the authority of Jesus. Now, uh, other Gospels, all, they all emphasize Jesus. They all emphasize things about him, but they have a, they're, they're nuanced. And, uh, but Matthew likes this word authority. He'll use it and then illustrate it, and then use it and then illustrate it, and then he concludes his text with it. It's a, it, is, it is one of the central themes of the book of Matthew is the authority of Jesus. And what we said was, as I was looking and reading through, looking at the authority of Jesus and seeing the disciples shocked and in awe that he commands the waves, and they say, we don't know who is this, how that God gave this kind of authority, and they're shocked and awe that, he's, that he tells 2,000 demons to leave it, leave people, and they do, and, and, he, and he tells a paralytic to get up, but before that he has the authority even, so that you might know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He, I mean, he, his authority is limitless, and Matthew wants us to see just how magnificent the authority of Jesus Jesus is so that we will see a big Jesus. And that's the thought. Well, there it is. I thought, Matthew, you want us to see big Jesus. Because if we have, if we see big Jesus, the bigger Jesus is, the more robust our faith and the more ready our obedience. Our faith and our obedience will follow and reflect the size, if I can say it this way without sounding silly, the size of our Jesus. The size of your Jesus will determine your faith. So many people want to think, they worry about their faith, whether they have enough or if it's big enough or it's going to work right or if they, they they search their pockets or they take faith vitamins or whatever. You don't need to do any of that. Faith will respond to the size of your Jesus. Just let, lift Jesus higher, lift Jesus higher, lift him up for the world to see. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw men unto me. Let Jesus get big and your faith and your obedience will follow. And so, in, in this, we, 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 are, we are just captured by the magnificence and the supremacy of Jesus. And as, we, if, as if you close, when you, 
as chapter uh, 11 begins to close, Jesus says something, and I'll just provide some context. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All Now listen to verse 27, and if you don't go, whoa, then you've missed it. Then you've missed the intention, the shock that Jesus is intending to give here. All things have been committed to me by my Father. That is a Mufasa. All things. Jesus is claiming everything belongs to him and he's over it all. Now you and I in hindsight say, well, that's doctrine and collect. Of course, we believe that. I was trained that in Sunday school. If you're Jesus' audience and this plain-clothed former carpenter is talking and saying, by the way, Yahweh's given everything to me. You're shocked. You don't know whether you should fall on your face or grab a rock. This is Jesus' words. The words in red are shocking. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and to those whom the Son chooses to reveal him. He said, all things are, all things are committed to me, and I'm the only way any of you are going to know him. It's a statement, you've got to set this up, it's the statement is of absolute exclusivity. I, everything is mine, and God, I only, I'm the only one who knows God, and I'm the only way, and if you want to know anything about God, you've got to come through me. So first of all, so, you get the, so the background is absolute exclusivity, right? Superiority, exclusivity, authority, all of it. You got it? Feel that? To take a breath, and now listen to the next thing he says. Because so, that makes you go, whoa, he's, taken him, he's, he's set himself apart. He's set himself distant. We, I can't even, there's no way. There's, he's the only way. Everything is his. Absolute, absolute exclusivity. But then he says this, almost like this. So then, come to me. He hasn't set him up as, ex, as, as exclusive to be isolated from us but so that we might know God. He has come not to keep God from us, but to reveal him to us. Come to me. Ooh. I feel like we should all say that out loud, but we'll say it later, I'm sure. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Wonderful Holy Spirit, thank you for breathing these words. Now let that same breath breathe them upon us and into our hearts and minds today. Thank you for Jesus. Jesus calls us to come to him and find rest. Jesus calls us to come and find rest. Hear those first just three words and then beyond. The first thing we read here is that after Jesus has just affirmed the exclusivity of who he is, the absolute uniqueness of his person, he then calls out to all who are weary and burdened.
Sometimes in the words of Jesus that we've read in Matthew, we pay attention to who he's talking to. Here's a good, a good practice for a Bible study. Who's Jesus talking to? When you ask yourself that question as you're reading. When you read the Sermon on the Mount, we find out that he's talking primarily to his followers. He called his disciples to himself and gave them these words. Ah, so the Sermon on the Mount, this is, for, this is instructions for followers of Jesus, for disciples. Then there are other times that he talks to, whether he's talking to the masses, the multitudes, or, his, or his, his innermost group or whatever. Who is he talking to? Sometimes he's talking to the Pharisees. Oh, so when he talks to them, we should be aware of who is Jesus saying to whom. What is Jesus saying to whom? What is Jesus saying to whom here in verse 28 is, come to me all. Who is he talking to? Everybody who can hear him. There's, so he's gone from, saying, from emphasizing how exclusive he is in truth and revelation to, his, to a statement that includes everybody and excludes no one. Come to me, all y'all. But, uh, but, and then, to be specific, who is he talking to? Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Can you imagine if that were on a loudspeaker today in our culture, our climate? In any city, anywhere in America today, just about, if the louds, hey, anybody out there weary and burdened? Anybody, anybody tired, anybody weary, anybody broken, anybody, anybody absolutely worn out? This word weary means exhausted, spent, worn out, or frustrated at failing. To be burdened, it means to be carrying a heavy burden. But the verb tense indicates this is a burden that you have been carrying and is still weighing on you. Now, we probably should acknowledge that Jesus isn't necessarily... He's not, I don't, we probably shouldn't mean that, we shouldn't think to mean that Jesus is talking to, he's saying, anybody who's tired of laundry or yard work or schoolwork. <laughs> this is not Jesus shell, selling timeshares in vacation homes. Okay? He is, but he is calling to those who are weary and burdened by things they should not be carrying. Things that were not designed for them. He is calling to those who are weary and burdened by fear. By anxieties. By resentment. Resentment is a thing that we begin carrying and it feels light at first. In fact, at first, at first, it, ta- it feels like a tasty morsel. We feel, because people resent and they feel like they're getting even with someone. They feel like they're getting even. Boy, I, I'm feeling harsh and hard towards someone. That, this, the way I'm feeling, that'll teach them. You know, you, and you don't even tell them. You don't tell them how mad you are or that you're bitter and resentful. But you feel it. And of course, you, now you do tell them, but they're just not there. <laughs> See, you do know. <laughs> And you rehearse the conversation you might have. <laughs> you know it happens. It feels good at first. We're getting even with them. This is serious. Look at my friend back there who 
spent time, you know, and others who have spent time perhaps even overseas in various, even, even military conflicts and respectfully carry things that they weren't intended to be, to be carrying to this day. Resentments, shame, people that have walked different paths in their youth or even a few years ago and, uh, you, you, it goes into a backpack, and th- that stuff, the back, that backpack uh, starts off light. But it's the weird thing is, normally if I'm wearing a backpack, you get used to it, but not when you wear, not these kind of burdens. They get heavier and heavier and heavier. Guilt, trying to do good, and feeling like you have just failed and haven't measured up. Rejection especially when you have felt rejected by a, by a family member or a significant person in your life, mm, golly, that thing can really become an increasingly heavy burden, even if it were decades ago. And honestly, even, like I, I joked a minute ago that he wasn't talking about laundry or schoolwork or yard work, but even the stuff of life that we, are, that we get to do, it's just part of living. You know, the same stuff that Adam, you know, before the, before, before the fall, Adam broke a sweat. And, and sweat was God's idea. Now, it might have only started to smell after the fall. We don't know. <laughs> but he broke a sweat before the fall. Eric, you, you, you build something, you're like, yeah, I feel good. That's a good thing. That's worship. It's not worship of Eric, but it's like I, I, was, I have created. I, I have made fire, right? Uh, uh, <laughs> That's a good thing. See, God, labor and creativity and effort, those are good things. Those are holy and wonderful and theological. But even those things, when they have been polluted by uh, grief, covetousness, greed, fear, anxiety, even the stuff in life that's supposed to be good is bad and becomes a burden. And ultimately, the greatest burden is sin. Sin is the leading cause of death. They can say all kinds of other things are. Sin is the leading cause of death. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin are Sin is a burden. Jesus said in John 8, 34, anyone who sins is a slave to sin. Sin is not just an action. It is a power that becomes a burden. And here Jesus is, having identified himself as as the the exclusive representative of God himself, and all things belong to him, he now calls out to a world, to a humanity being crushed under the weight of burdens placed on them by others or by themselves or even by hell. And he says, come to me. And he offers himself as the solution. What is the solution? Come to me. Come to me. Do you hear the unique claim of Christianity? Come to Jesus. 
People say, well, they need to have a come to Jesus moment, and almost, it's almost become dismissive, condescending. Listen, if you haven't had a come to Jesus, then you're still under the weight and burden of things that's weighing you down and destroying you and will eventually drag you to hell. If you're on your way to hell, come to Jesus. Or if you're living in it now, come to Jesus. He is the singular solution. Jesus is the refuge. He is the hope for the burdened. Big burdens are no match for big Jesus. Acts chapter 4, verse 12, Peter said, Salvation is found in no one else. You know, I don't know. I don't, I, don't, I don't like to hammer this too much, but I think because of our frame of reference, our quick lens, when I say the word salvation, many of you think that that pertains to everything that happens after you die. Salvation. Oh, you mean after I die, I go to heaven. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. But salvation, salvation is an eternal thing and begins now. So salvation means right now the Lord Jesus Christ enters your life and begins, begins saving you. I mean, you're already saved. Your, your sins are forgiven, but you're not just, just forgiven. The life of Christ, the power of the age to come, begins to come at work in your life. As the Holy Spirit moves in, the very life of God, the very atmosphere of heaven, the very climate of the presence of God fills your life, enters your life, begins to renew you, begins to set you free. Salvation, total, complete rescue, deliverance, blessing, restoration, and eternal life is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. You must be saved, and Jesus is the only way. He offers himself as the He calls out to all who are weary and burdened, and he offers himself as the solution. And, what, and he promises to give the weary and burdened rest. This is really important. Come to me, and I will give you rest. Well, this is important. I, I didn't even make this nuance clear last night, so congratulations. Uh, uh, would you say it with me? Come to me, and I'll give you rest. Come to me, and I'll give you rest. That's the first part. Jesus promises to give the weary and burdened rest. The Greek could read, I will refresh you. Come to me, and I will refresh you. So he's not saying, come to me, and I'll, call to, I'll give you a 30-second break. There's Andrew on, I see Andrew running back and forth, running back and forth, running back and forth, running, 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 running on the court, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And then eventually the coach says, bleep, bleep, come and take a, right? And they come and they squirt water at you and they put a towel on your head or whatever, right? And uh, that's it. You get a little bit of a break, right? You get how long, however long that is, 30 seconds, a minute. I don't, I don't, I should stop talking about basketball fast. But um, <laughs> lest, I, lest I betray a, a vast ignorance thereof. But you get a minute to stop. But that's it. But then you got to get right back out there and do the same thing you were doing before to get just as tired again. Right? Here, take a, take a quick break and then go right back. Go right back to what you were doing that made you that tired. That is not the rest that Jesus is talking about. He is not saying, I'll give you a minute. 
I'll give, you a, I'll give you a brief reprieve, and then you're going to go ahead right back out there and live the same thing, the same life-draining, hell-causing way you've been living. That's not what Jesus, I will give you rest. I will refresh your soul. I will come to me, and I will leave you better than I found you. That's Jesus. Come to Jesus, and he'll leave you better than he found you. That's both offensive and hopeful at the same time, isn't it? It's offensive because we think, well, what's wrong with me in the first place? If you only knew. You come to Jesus just as you are, but he's not leaving you that way. He loves you so much just the way you are. loves you way too much to leave you that way. Come to Jesus. and I'll, He says, come to me, and I'll leave you better than I found you. For his Jewish audience, they would have heard the promises of the prophets that Jesus is identifying himself as Yahweh once again. <laughs> Shocking. For him to say, I will refresh you, his, well, you and I go, oh, that's a, well, that's, of course, that's Jesus. He's our flammograph. We love Jesus. His audience would have shocked because what they, would, they would have heard the words of Jeremiah 21, uh, uh, 31, 25, when Yahweh says, I will refresh the weary and satisfy the faint. Yahweh says, this is what I'll do for you. And Jesus says, that's me. Now Jesus does that, come to me and I will give you rest. Come to me and I will give you rest. He does that because he has entered into our pain and our burden and bore it himself. Isaiah 53, 4 says, surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Come to, come to me and I will give you rest. We come to Jesus and he gives us, that's an immediate transaction. There, he, he begins to work immediately in our lives. Do you feel that? But rest comes not just from believing in Jesus, but from obeying Jesus. Because this, the, the passage continues. Yes, it's one movement, but there's really two rhythms here. And there's even two uh, there's two, uh, the tide kind of changes a little bit. The tenses of the verb. Come to me, all you who are weary, I will give you rest. Right? But then what does verse 29 say? Take my yoke upon you, meet you. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find, you will find rest for your soul. So coming to Jesus this is not just an invitation just to believe in Jesus, but to obey him. This is really important because there are those who will come and in a, in a, have a crisis come to Jesus moment, and they will taste of Christ's love and power, and they will rejoice in it. But if they do not become a follower of Jesus, they will just do exactly, don't take this wrong, Andrew. They'll do exactly what Andrew does. <laughs> They'll go, they'll go right back onto the court and do the same stuff that wore them out to begin with, that same hell thing, the thing that was taking them to hell and bringing hell into their life. They come to Jesus and they feel forgiven, and they are, and they feel loved, and they are, and they taste the powers of the age to come, but they go right back out on the court. Come to me and I'll give you rest, he says. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, and you will find rest for your soul. So following Jesus is not a burden, it is a blessing. 
to know his rest, to find rest for your soul, he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. That means this is, uh, his audience understood that he was talking about the same thing that he told his disciples to do in Matthew 28. Go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey. That's what t- taking the yoke of Christ means. I am going to, I'm going to learn from him. Jesus says, you've been doing it your way, and it's been wearing you out. Now do it my way. Learn from me. Follow me. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, and you'll find rest for your soul. Why? Because of who Jesus is. The yoke that he puts on us is not a yoke of slavery or oppression or hardship, but his, it's a yoke of, it's the very life of his, it's the very, it's his very way, it's his character. And he says, listen, I, <laughs> I am gentle and humble in heart. And then he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That word easy, now again, I know as Americans we might think, oh, Jesus means, you know, cotton robes and slippers. Ow. No, uh, I mean, maybe, but I don't understand the purpose of a robe. But um, when he says his yoke is easy, that word is the word kind. It literally is the word kind. My yoke is kind. And the, and the responsibility we have to, in following Jesus doesn't weary you, it refreshes you. It fits. It makes sense. It feels right. When you follow Jesus, it feels like you have come home. Because you have. When you follow Jesus, you are, you are one who has been freed from the very heavy pretense of pretending and striving. There is a, uh, a tradition, and I don't, we don't need to. It doesn't matter if we put stock in it or not. It just, give me a sec to explain it. There's a tradition uh, that started who knows how many long time ago. What was Jesus' profession before his baptism in water? Right, he's a carpenter. My, my boss is a Jewish carpenter, right? Uh, Jesus was a carpenter, right? And uh, we, we know that or we assume that because uh, Joseph was and it was family business and that kind of thing. Well, there's a legend, a tradition that says this, that uh, while Jesus was in the old carpentry business, that uh, he was, he was uh, known in his town for making yokes. And that he had a reputation for making the ones that fit the best. And a well-fitting yoke, one that's, that's designed to fit well, is one that is, is easiest to bear. It feels the kindest. It's easiest to bear and makes the work more, I would say, enjoyable. The plowing, the pulling, the doing. They even say there was a sign, you know, my yokes fit best or something. You know. <laughs> and I don't know if it's true or if it's a yoke, but... <laughs> But I know what is true is that 
Jesus, our Lord, His yokes absolutely fit just right. That learning from Him, following His way, feels right. It fits well. Because life is worth the living. Following Jesus makes life worth living. And he says, if you'll do that, if you'll take my yoke upon you, if you'll learn from me. And he says, and he repeats it, but he changes it. You will find rest for your soul. That soul, that that phrase means you will find rest for the deepest part of you. A nap does a pretty good job for the outside of us sometimes, right? You know, you get a little nap and your face picks up a little bit, you know, but... But nothing, only what, only the rest that Jesus gives can go all the way to our deepest, truest person. But it means, but to do that, we have to learn. We need, we come to Jesus, he gives us rest, but real rest for our soul is found in being his disciple, following Jesus. Even that phrase, you'll find rest for your souls once again, People might be surprised how often Jesus refers to or quotes the book of Jeremiah. But Jeremiah 6.16 says this, Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. Rest for your souls is found in the way that you walk, the path that you're on. Jesus says, that path is mine. Follow me, take my yoke, learn from me. You'll find rest for your soul. Jesus' way is the good way, but it has to be his way. So come to me is both a call of repentance and vital contact and discipleship. Come to me means repent of your sin, come to Jesus and follow him. And the promise is you will find rest. He'll give you rest and you will find rest for your soul. This is even what Peter says in Acts chapter 3, verse 19, when he says this. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. Well, that's refreshing. And then he says, and times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Come to me. Follow me. Your burdens will be lifted. You will find rest for your soul. And that is what it means to follow Jesus. Let's stand together as we close today. So many songs of the faith and hymns of the faith from years ago. and We've got a fresh one here. Megan's going to play, but call out for those who are weary and heavy burdened and carrying things they should not be carrying that weren't designed for them that are only destroying them because the testimony the testimony of the ages come from people that have found that being wearied and burdened they have come to Jesus and they have found rest real rest so this is clearly a a, a call to the uninitiated if you don't know Jesus if you, haven't, if you haven't come to Jesus, come to Jesus. Come to him right now and don't wait. But friends, 
You know who else heard Jesus say, come to me, all you who are weary? The same people that have been following him already for a while. And you might have been following Jesus for a hot minute. to be aware that you, that you might be following Jesus for a while and yet still carrying a very, very heavy backpack that is doing you no good and will only get heavier. Yeah, we're going to have Meg sing this Come to Me song, but even just before she does, I want to just ask if you are at home or you're here this morning and that that is resonating with you. You are you have brought you are carrying a burden too heavy for you. I want you to respond. I want there to be a response because like it's it's almost this act. I see this picture of you taking off that yoke that is too heavy and and surrendering because that's what it's about. Surrendering it to Jesus and 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 taking his yoke which is light. So I want you to just even just picture that if that's you, but I also just want you to raise your hand where you are. And if you're at home, put your hand on your heart. If you are carrying a burden that is not yours, it's not yours, raise your hand right now. Raise your hand right now. And if if, if you're in this room and, and someone is near you and you are comfortable, I just want a gentle person to put their hand on your shoulder. So keep your hand up until someone has put a hand on your shoulder. And I just want Megan to sing this over you right now. So come to me, all who are weary, and I give you rest. Cast your cares upon me. We are in our homes feeling that, that heavy burden, Lord, that we have released and we have surrendered to you. 
thank you, Father, for healing hearts today. And God, I pray that not tomorrow would, would, would there be this temptation to pick it back up. Right. We're not going to pick it back up. We're not going to be let, let the whispers of the enemy say, oh, that was just pretend. No, we have a new yoke that is light, yeah, that is freedom, Reba. that is hope. And we just speak that now in Jesus' name. Jesus, Hallelujah. Amen. 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 The Lord bless you. We've got some refreshments in the cafe. If you like them, most importantly, be kind to someone on your way out today. God bless you. Thanks for being here today. Thanks for everybody watching online. We love you big.